Okay, Tzoraim Tov, we continue our ninth class in the Haggadah with the commentary of the Masa Nisim. We have explained the opening verse of the Bikurim recitation that uh, is the core of the Haggadah. And I'm going to skip all the um, commentary of explaining all the verses because I'm probably not going to get to everything, so I want to get to the bigger highlights. If there's more time, we'll come back to it. So we're going to jump now to the ten plagues. Okay, and there's interesting um, items to mention in the ten plagues. And the Haggadah says, Elo eser And these are the ten plagues, and we're all aware of what the ten plagues are. So, the author has two issues he wants to explain. Why did Hashem have to make 10 plagues? Why not 5? Why not 12? We have a lot of wonderful Jewish numbers. Why not 7? Why not 8? That is one. And another one is, uh, and even though he picked, why did he pick these unique plagues? And there are all kinds of, of answers. Uh, Rashi says it's Mita Keneged Mita, measure for measure for the things they did against the Jews. They suffered in a measured way. That's true. There's Nagada says, what's the way of war? When you start a war, first you lay a siege, then you cut off the water, and then you make noise, etc., etc. And it plays out the ten are how we follow a siege and a destruction. Those are two pshatim, and and he the author says, and we don't really understand this. <laughs> so therefore, he wants to give us one that he feels is more palatable, and for those that are not uh, Hasidically challenged, it is more palatable. And the idea being, we know that it says in Pirkei Yavos that Hashem created the world with asara ma'amaros, with ten utterances. And why did Hashem create the world with ten utterances? Is to punish the wicked people who have sinned against the world that was done with ten utterances. The punishment should be greater than if he did it with one utterance and to reward those who follow the, what Hashem wants for a world that was created with ten utterances. What's the main idea behind all this? And I don't want to get into the full uh, Kabbalistic manifestation behind all that. But just the simple meaning is that Hashem has revealed in his creation of the world, there's ton aspects of how Hashem functions. There's no way we could know what Hashem is, but we can understand Hashem by what he does. And we can understand that Hashem created the world with 10 utterances. And those 10 utterances give us a better understanding of what God is capable of doing and gives us an insight on our level to what Hashem is. Now, and we will analyze this shortly. Now, Paro denied Hashem completely. And when Hashem denies Hashem, he not only denies Hashem, but he denies Hashem's power. And that power is defined by the ten utterances. And therefore, what Hashem is doing, He is creating this reality of 
plaguing the Egyptians in a way that reveals that the ten hundredses are really true. That's what Hashem writes in the Torah regarding the ten sayings of how the world came into being, which Paro denied. Now, each plague will affirm that those utterances came from Hashem because you can see how Hashem alters the world via these ten utterances that exactly happened over here. So, therefore, he's going to go through what the ten utterances are and how many of them will need a plague or maybe two plagues to prove it and why we need ten utterances for the ten plagues. It's interesting, he doesn't do them one for one. As you'll see in a minute, he's going to say that one utterance needed two plagues and two utterances only needs one plague, as we shall see. But it's all there to affirm that. So let's go through this. And then that's why I've got the chart. Now, if you're zooming, you see the chart in front of you. Those who are listening on the podcast, you can't see the chart. But anybody who wants the chart, just send me an email rabbimachalowitz at gmail.com and I'll happily put send you the chart and then you can follow it along. The chart is in Hebrew. I know if I was really a good boy, I'd create it in English and make it easier for everybody, but that would take about an hour of my time, which I presently don't have. But uh, it is, it's a good chart. It's from the, uh, it's from the Sefer Masanisim. So I just photocopied it so it's there and it helps with review. Or as you're listening, you chart it off yourself and check all the boxes for each one of the 10 plagues. So let's start with, and there is a machlokas, what are the 10 utterances as well, but this is according to his opinion. Okay, so the order of the 10 utterances of creation is the first mimer, is, the first utterance is Bereshis. So that utterance tells us that Hashem created, there were really, you think, how many things were in it, put into existence? Well, you'd say two. But the answer is there's three. Well, you say, well, Shemayim, heaven is one. Aretz is two. Where is there a third one? Well, in the next couple of sukkim, it says, before Hashem did anything, there was this mass of void with water all over the place. Which had to be created. Which had to be created. So therefore, when Hashem, the beginning wasn't just Shemayim and Aretz, it was Mayim, it was water. And it even says that the water preceded the Shemayim and the Aretz, according to Rashi. So this is the first Ma'amar. And therefore, the first Ma'amar is going to need two teachings for the creation of the water and the heavens, and then a teaching for the creation of the earth, even though it's all in one mimer, but it can't get all fixed up. And that that mimer of the creation of the earth, we can wait till the fourth mimer, where it says that the dry land came out. So although in the first mimer, we know there's going to be an earth, but it really doesn't have to get covered yet. Because it's not finished until the fourth utterance that says, now the dry land will come out. So therefore, we're already going to get that covered in the fourth day, the fourth mamar. And therefore, we have two we have to deal with in the first mamar is the water in the heavens. So you see, the first mamar will need two plagues. 
one to teach us about the water and one to teach about the heavens. Uh, the fact that you've got the earth, that'll be covered with the fourth ma'amar. Important point. Okay. The second ma'amar is Hashem said, let there be light. Hashem called the light or the darkness lila. That's the second one. And we'll see how that gets fixed up a little bit later on. The third is the creation of the firmament. Okay. That's the sky, sky and all those things. Okay, the fourth is to show the land. Let the land come out. Uh, right, and and the fifth is making the grass come out of the ground. The sixth is putting up the sun and the moon. The seventh is the uh, aquatic life. The eighth are the animals of the earth. The ninth is the creation of man. And the tenth is Hashem telling Pru Uravu to man. He notes there's another one that says, Vayomer, Vayomer Hashem. But Hashem says, I've given you all the grass to eat. So that's not a creative mamar. It's just permission for man to eat. Okay, so what do we see? In conclusion, the first ma'amar needs two teachings. As we said, one for Shemaim and one for Oritz. We're going to need two for them. And uh, the second and sixth mamers, the Torah, he put the lights up and then came the sun and the moon. That really is two mamers that takes care of one. So one, one saying needs two plagues and two sayings gets away with one plague. So that's how we balance out the, the rest is one for one. And the rest is one for one. So now he's going to go through all of them and then we'll review it again by looking at the chart over here which has it all, you have the mamar and the maka, the mamar and the maka, which takes care of that. So, um, well, you know what? I think maybe to save time, maybe we'll go right to the chart. And the chart will cut us some time in that. Uh, and we'll take a look at every mamar and what it requires. Okay, the mamar rishon, the first mamar of creation we have three points. Okay, heaven and earth. That We have to know that God is in charge of heaven and earth. But the other part where there was water, okay, so he's saying that this mamor, the Rebbe says, is really three teachings, and we've got the water, the heaven, and the earth, but we're going to see that one of them is taken care of a little bit later, as we shall see. So now, what do, where did it play out in the Makis? What Makis are here to tell us about heaven, earth, and water? Well, let's take a look at the first plague is Dam, is blood. So what did that mean? Hashem took the water and turned it into blood. So part of that mamar that is about water, blood has taken care of it because the water turned to blood. So that means Hashem created the water. Okay. Okay, um, interesting, the wild animals of Dever, very interesting. Hashem has to teach us something about the Shemaim. How can he teach us anything about the Shemaim? It's way beyond. It's in the firmament. He can't, whatever he does there isn't going to impact us. So he brings an interesting Rambam, the Mar Nebuchim, that he doesn't really explain in detail. This is the only one little stretch of the entire interpretation. He says that the, the heavens above have a great impact 
on the creation of animals. He doesn't explain yeah, why. I thought it'd be hail. I no, that's going to be for something else, as I you'll see. It has to be, but I'm just saying. But, but that. you're going to see in a minute. You will see in a minute. The Rambam says there's a, a nefesh Bahamius. The animalistic soul comes from the rikia, from the shemayim. So that is, it's not talking about the physical animal, but, you know, it's whatever you want to call the elements of shemayim, that is the source of the animals, which I can't go any further than that. That's the one dochek in this interpretation. I have to, and the fact of the matter is, the commentary says, he doesn't know where, he said, the Rambam's in Mor Nevuchim, and the commentary says, I don't see it in the Mor Nevuchim. So he must have had another um, interpretation of that or understanding of that. So, so we left perplexed. A little bit. That's right. Now the earth, the earth, that gets angry with the kinim. Because the kinim, the lice, destroyed, they came out of the earth and they destroyed the earth. So very good. So the two principal things we need, um, shamayim and, well, the mayim is definitely the blood. That's clear. That's for sure. And uh, then the wild animals is being covered by the uh, uh, the uh, air, so to speak, uh, the higher relatively rakia. And then we've got the kinim that takes care of the earth, the denial of that. Now, what about the two, uh, the day and night, those two luminaries? So Hashem showed that with the plague of Chosha, obviously, with the Choshas there. But that's also going to take care of Mimer number six, where Hashem t- made the light, but then focused it with the sun and the moon and the stars. And Choshech, therefore, takes care of two of the ten Mamoros. You see, that's the, the critical point there. Okay. Uh, now, the, now, the Rakia, see, we have Shemaim, but then we have Rakia. That was a separate Mamar. Hashem, remember, there's the Shemaim, which is way up. And then the Rakia is that firmament in between that is borrowed you see that's the borrowed because that's in between that's the atmosphere so that's where the borrowed comes from shemayim is like way it's it's beyond the 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 the, the, the what do you call it the firmament yeah it's beyond that area so that's what you so that's from a spiritual realm and that's where the animalistic soul comes from. And there's nothing where Hashem can prove what's going on in Shemaim down on earth because it's a Shemaim thing. So you take a heavenly aspect of the animals makes that happen. In the bar, in the money, what's bar? To show that God created the firmament, the rakia. Third utterance, let there be a rakia. What is bar? Hail. Hail, right. Hail. Okay, the fourth one is the earth just begins to show itself. So that again, that's where Kinim takes care of the earth aspect. Remember, we said, well, there's that's a... That's why Yaakov didn't want to be buried in... Right, so the Kinim, that is the third plague, that's the one that takes care of the earth issue. So these two Mamoros, this, this one first Mamor needs two teachings... Well, really, you know, you're going to take care of the heaven is the Makkah of, uh, of uh, what do you call it, Arbe, as we come over here. The Makkah of Arbe goes for the fifth, uh, I'm sorry, uh, we'll, come, we'll come to that. We're going to come so to that. So they line up, but they're not in order. But they're not in order, and he will address that afterwards. Okay, 
Now we have that. I, I heard something else before. I know there's all kinds of other interpretations. Yeah. We're only going with this one. Got it. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm acknowledging there's many interpretations, but this is the one we're bringing. Yeah. Now God brought grass from the ground, so the grasshoppers ate up the grass from the ground. That shows that Hashem brings the grass from the ground. As we already said, the sixth mimer is putting the sun and the moon. That was Choshech, took care of that. The seventh one, Hashem created the aquatic beings. So what took care of that? Tzvardea, that came out of the water. So Hashem has control of all aquatic life. The animals itself... Well, the, the fact that there is life of the animals it's, uh, itself, that is the R, uh, um, that is the R of, that's the sickness that killed the animals. The wild animals coming out, that oh. is showing about the Shemayim. Oh, so the wild domestic, animals, the animals going nuts. That is why Hashem create, creates all animals from the Shemayim, and I can even make them nuts. But the fact that they're regular animals was the eighth mamar. So regular animals will die from an animal's pestilence. And the ninth, the creation of man, that's shin, that's boils. Because boils is like makes a man crazy. The whole body is totally inoperative. And the tenth mamar is pruravu. Well, very good. Which one is that? Makas Pachoros, where Hashem was able to decide between one putrid drop. And another putrid drop of the Bechor, and one that is a Bechor, and one isn't. And only, how could Hashem know who's a Bechor, who's not a Bechor? Because Hashem was involved when create, when the, when the um, pro, pro, what are you calling it? Procreation happened. When the soul came down. Yeah, but when, when a husband, man and woman were together, that is the idea of Puravu, but it can be done in a terrible way like the Egyptians did. So I'm going to show you that I'm the one of those because I know where the Bechor is and where the Bechor isn't and you can't understand all those different things over there. Okay, so that explains. Uh, now there's other ways of, and he addresses the issue. He says, and they're not in the order of the Marmoros. And he gives a whole exp explanation that um, I'm not going to go into right now. I'm going to leave it for another time. But while we got time, I'm going to go to the next point of Rabbi Yehuda giving the sign of the Tzach Adash Ba'achav. And the obvious question over there is, what did Rabbi Yehuda teach us by this? Okay? He's saying, you know, like, like what, what's... Is it just a memory? Well, it, well, yeah, it's there's 10 straight in a row, and it's the first letter. It's not such a big Chachma. Right. The Torah doesn't really talk about it, so to speak. Um, so, like, what's the whole point? I mean, any child could figure out Take the ten first letters and you got it. Right? So, therefore, what is the real message that he's giving us over here? Okay? And the answer is, he says, a very new insight. There are a lot of answers to this question. You're all aware of But here is a new insight in how he comes to this. He says, each of the three sets is teaching us one particular lesson. And the no need to... And he gives warnings about it, but there's no need to give more than two warnings because once a person's not listening to the two warnings, he's obviously not going to listen to the third. So no need for the third. Remember, all of these started with two warnings and then the third was not a warning. So it's a pattern. That's one thing. 
I warn you once, you don't listen. I warn you twice, two strikes are out. Yeah. Judaism is two strikes are out, not three strikes are out. And therefore, so now we got to see what was the message that this author is telling us. So um, the first message he is telling, um, uh, one second. He's telling us over here. Yeah, one second. So, the tzach, the first three, he wants to teach us that there's a cause of the punishments. In other words, you go against Hashem, you get punished. That's the first thing. And therefore, he uh, warned them, he warned them to go out, you don't send them out, I'm going to punish you. And who gets punished? The blood. The Egyptians get punished. Second time comes the frogs. Now, how do we know that they were unrepentant in it? Very interesting. The Pusik says that the magicians were able to replicate on a small level the blood and the frogs. So that shows you they're not repentant. They're saying, who are you to say that you're coming and punishing? We can do the same thing. It's not you. And if we want to, we can punish ourselves with that. Ah, so but you didn't listen twice. I don't have to warn you anymore. Third time, you're going to get it, and it's going to seal the deal. Why? Because what was different about the third one than the first two? We're told that since the lice were so small, they couldn't replicate it. Okay? And they had to admit it's the Etzbel Okim. So now you understand God punishes people who don't listen to him. Number one. That was the main point. What about Adash? Hashem wants to teach as well that the same source that can punish those who go against it gives a reward to those who fulfill his, his, what he asks to do. And therefore, with the next three, it keeps saying this, but it did not say the first three. It says, and I will separate between my nation and your nation. Over there, it became very clear with each of the subsequent makas, even though it was happening in earlier makas. We know it's true with the blood. The but but it was specifically blood. stated. Again, the blood is midrashim and this and that. This is obvious text, which says clearly, and uh, and that didn't finish until shechin, because still, what happened by shechin by boils that was different than everything else. It says that even the uh, magicians couldn't stand before power because the boils uh, affected them to the point, which implies that they were not affected until this one. Mm. And therefore, even though Hashem punished the Egyptians, the magicians never suffered until this one. But the main point we're saying, and that was what the third one produced more because they couldn't even stand before him until then it seems that they could. Okay. So now we got the end of that. And each one of them, it says how the Hashem separated between the Jews and the non-Jews. The animals, was, the animal, wild animals came. They didn't come to the Jewish place. It says Beferish. The, the, uh, the animals got sick. It says Beferish didn't come to the Jews. The same thing with the boils. Torah underscores that, you know what? The same God that punishes is the same God that takes care of others. It's not like, oh, what bad luck we had. Some No, we're showing you, A, I punish you if you're bad. B, I reward those that are good. That's just, It's the same God. Mm-hmm. It's not one God can punish, but he doesn't want to do good. 
So he could do good by separating them. But Achav, the last three, he wants to say, and you might say, well, maybe it's the constellations that are doing this. Maybe the constellations have this kind of power to do everything, and it's not God. So what does it do? It's a, it takes the three that are wreaking havoc with the constellations. Why? Because constellations can, usually there's a pattern. It happened once, it happens again, like Halley's Comet. Yeah. Happened once, happens Halley's again. That's constellations. Yeah. We, we could say it's not God. It's a pattern. But by these, it keeps saying this never happened before and will never happen again. When we talk about the arba, the locust, and the darkness, and the hail. Those never happened before, never happened again. There's no such thing as a constellation being able to do this. But the fact is, it never happened before, never again. You can't say that's a constellation, because constellations, it's a pattern of the world, and it has to repeat. We never had an, uh, a locust like the one in Egypt. Never had hail or fire and water together. Never had darkness like that for six days. Doesn't happen at all. Okay? So that, and therefore, each one, and especially when it got dark, that really tells you. Because all the constellations weren't working. Total dark. At least the moon should give a little light. At least a star should give a little light. It was a total wipeout of what's going on over there. But maybe there's an angel. Maybe there's uh, esoteric powers. Because remember, the constellation is still physical. Maybe there's an esoteric power. And therefore comes the 10th plague where Hashem says, me and not an angel, me and not any esoteric powers. It's beyond any mazel at all. And therefore, it is only me as the source. And how does he show that? With Makas Bacharis. Because there's no way any being can understand the drop of one Bechor and the drop of one who is not a Bechor. That is something beyond any ability. To be able to keep a track record of years before and to know the privacy of a home, what's going on and this and that, that clearly shows that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was in charge of all of that. And that is why we pick this order of these ten. So we have two insights together in this uh, session. One is we're showing how the ten plagues correct the misunderstanding and the abuse of the ten utterances. And so Hashem's behind the utterances. And then to show that on top of that, that Hashem punishes those who don't list them, rewards those who do. No other force can do this which Hashem is doing. Not any astrological force, not any... Um, transcendental force to clearly show that it's completely HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, we'll end it with that. And those who want to chart, again, yeah, can, you can email me and I'll send you a copy of it. Okay.